I get buckets. Hello and welcome to Blue Wire Buckets. My name is Carter Rodriguez. I'll be your host for this evening. I'm a co-host on the Chase Down podcast. Joining me, I got two wonderful basketball minds. We got Jovan Buha from uh, the Clip City podcast, as well as my former Chicago co-resident, Jason Pat, uh, co-host of Cash Considerations. Uh, Jason, we'll start with you. How you doing, man? I am doing well, and how are you? It's been it's been a while. We uh, yeah, we've hung out a few times back when uh, you were in Chicago. You're back in Ohio now, right? Is that right? Uh, for better or worse, yes. Uh, <laughs> back, back in Columbus, um, where dreams come true. Um, <laughs> Jovan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Uh, yeah, so I'm just, things are good. Uh, I'm I, I I've really landed into this. Um, this really weird space where I'm, I'm, I'm very invested in the Raptors success and I have no reason to be, <laughs> I just like them. And uh, we, we just watched them kind of take it to the box uh, in the second half and really kind of over the course of, from the second quarter on uh, to take a two, to tie the series at two, two. Um, we all kind of wrote the Raptors off after the, for, after the first two games, um, especially after the Bucks kind of slammed them in game two. And, you know, it felt like this was just another must win for the Raptors. Uh, well, we'll start with you, Jason. Has has your opinion on the series changed at all? Before the series, I thought I had Bucks in seven. Uh, and then, but when the Bucks won that game two by 20 points or whatever, like I was thought, okay, maybe this will be like five or six game series. I figured the Raptors would put up a fight, but quite they barely pulled out the game three in double overtime. Kawhi with a leg injury. I honestly thought the Bucks were going to win tonight. Uh, and the Raptors was one of their best team efforts of the season. Their, their bench has been much maligned in these playoffs. After their bench was so right, good last year, so so maligned uh, this bench uh, uh, in these playoffs. But today, absolutely incredible. We got Norman Powell at 18 points off the bench was a plus 29. Serge Ibaka 17 and 13 plus 24. Fred Van Viet, who has been awful in these playoffs, 13 points, five six shooting plus 25, just completely dominated the Bucks bench. Who had like Malcolm Brogdon complete dud of a game? George Hill didn't really do much after they, both those guys have been playing pretty well, and they just basically the Bucks got Giannis played all right, and Middleton had a really nice game, and were, they were just a complete disaster elsewhere. The Raptors just kind of just took it to them. The energy level, the physicality. Kyle Lowry had another fantastic game. He's he's had a really nice playoff. So and we got a series again, and now I, I'm still kind of feeling good about my Bucks in seven. Now again, I still I, I think going back home, I think the Bucks will be ready. They'll play a better game, but. I think the Bucks also just—I don't know—they—they they obviously blew up, blew, won that the game two in a blowout, but they haven't been quite as good as I expected them in this series. The, I mean, the Raptors are really good, obviously. Kudos to them for the bounce back showing today. Maybe, arguably, maybe their best performance of the year when they really needed it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, it just felt like we were all—you know—the NBA Twitter commentariat just kind of was collectively underrating how good this Toronto team was going into the series and. And, you know, I saw a lot of bucks in five and, you know, it, that always just felt like a stretch to me. I, I feel like this Raptors team, especially uh, in the half court, it just has so many looks defensively. They can throw at you with so much intelligence and versatility. 
And I really do think they're gumming up uh, Milwaukee's offense in the half court because it's not like Milwaukee has that many play starters. They have a, they have a, quite a few guys who can shoot and and score off of creation. But if they, if they don't have a big enough advantage, they're I think they've had a hard time scoring outside of Chris Middleton, who has looked very who looked amazing today. Uh, Jovan, what do you think it is about this series right now? Like where 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 do you where do you land? Well, I think the thing that has been the most revelatory over the past couple of games has been the recency bias of, of the narrative that the Raptors aren't that deep, right? And I think you, you almost saw something similar in the Golden State series where I, I think both teams are, are you know deeper than we've probably you know given them credit for. Uh, I think the, the Raptors' depth has been a strength of theirs for the past few years. They've been a team that's gone 10-11 deep. And, you know, some of these guys off the bench, uh, you know, have, have been inconsistent, like Van Vliet, Powell, uh, Abaka has kind of been up and down. But you, you've seen when they're playing well, like th- this Raptors team, uh, I think is just as good as the Bucks team. Like th- there was a reason why there was only, what, a, a three-game difference between them. Uh, and I, I'm with you on, on the, you know, the, the Bucks in seven. Uh, but I, I think where this was after the first couple games where it looked like there was no chance Toronto was going to win. It did look like I was maybe going to be a five game series. I'm kind of at the point now where I still expect the bucks to win. I think they probably come out win game five easily, but I think the doors cracked open now where you can't rule out Toronto winning this. And um, you know, we've seen sometimes in conference finals, you know, I could think back on, on those like Spurs thunder series a couple of times where you know one team won the first couple of games in dominant fashion, looked like they were going to win, and then the other team won the next couple and kind of got back the momentum and ended up winning in like six. So I don't think you can rule that out yet. Uh, but I think the the thing that I've noticed the most over these past couple of games has just been the Raptors' depth kind of returning, and and when those guys are rolling, uh, I think they're just as good as anyone in the league. I, I also th- feel like for this Raptors team. First up, I I think I've been very encouraged by even in their losses, their ability to, and in fairness, I'll I'll say in full disclosure, I was not able to watch game two, but even in game one, I I've, I've been impressed with the kind of looks they're able to generate. I think they've had they had an issue early on just converting, and uh, we're seeing these guys kind of step up and take these shots when they're available because that's the thing with this Bucks defense is. They'll give you shots. You have to take them, though. You can't. You can't let perfect be the enemy of good, because they're scrambling and they cover ground really, really well. Like, I mean, I think we've seen Marcus all plenty of times pass up a pretty good shot to someone who was kind of open, but that that window closed really quick. Um, and you know, everyone just getting a little more aggressive and. But I do think when you're looking at this Raptors offense, um, the assist totals for Gasol, Lowry, and then guys like Siakam are kind of the bellwether for how well they're running. Like, and Gasol had seven assists, Lowry had six assists, Siakam had six assists. And like, that's the kind of like across the board playmaking that really makes this team look really dangerous and show that they're humming. To your point about Gasol, especially, uh, I know I saw some people talking about that Twitter as well. And just looking at the box scores, this series, he had in the first two games, eight points total over the first two games, six assists only, and he was three of 20 from the field. <laughs> Coming back to Toronto, 33 points total. He had seven assists in both games, uh, and he shot 11 of 11 of 21, looks like, and he was also seven of 14 from three. So willing to shoot the three-pointers, 
actually going in and just running all that offense through him through him and they I think they racked up 32 assists in total just makes makes him so much more dangerous when he's aggressive when he's running all that offense through the high post especially with Kawhi was clearly struggling to end it I do really work that's such a bummer because I, I wonder if that could end up making the difference just Kawhi not being 100% like he did not have a bad game today but you could clear, he was clearly limping around out there so I really hope that he can hopefully get as healthy as he possibly can at, at this point in the playoffs and at least give give his best effort out there because it would really be a bummer if the Raptors fall short because Kawhi is just not close to his best I don't know maybe I'm stupid for saying this but like I do think there is something to the idea of uh, especially early on in that Sixers series so often I felt like things ground to a halt as they just looked to Kawhi to save mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And he did with such a plum, <laughs> like he did so well <laughs> doing so. But like, I do think there was some value. Like I, you know, this is so nebulous and I'm sure anyone listening is ro- probably rolling their eyes, but you know, I, I, I do feel like the rest of the team kind of saw that they needed to be more engaged and more involved offensively. Um, I mean, only 13 shot attempts for Leonard is, I mean, stunning given the kind of attempts he's put up in the series. And it did feel like everyone kind of collectively took their game up a level just in terms of their engagement and their involvement. They, there was not this like, ah, let's uh, hold on. We this, we need a big bucket. We got to go find Kawhi. Like, I don't know. I think the Raptors. Yeah, well, how many shots Kawhi. did he take in game, in game seven of the last year? It was like 39 or 35. Yeah crazy and like they were the Sixers offense was the, the Raptors defense was so good and the Sixers offense didn't do enough but like the Sixers actually played well and Sixers probably win that game because the Raptors offense ground to a halt because like, it was Kawhi trying to do everything and that, that game that game probably opened up their eyes in the first couple games of the series as well that they needed to really share the wealth a bit more especially with Kawhi hurting a bit a secondary effect too is that in, in the first two games Milwaukee torched them in transition and I think that's obviously the Bucks mo like you get Giannis out in transition, he, he's unguardable. Uh, you know it's probably the the best offensive play in the league. But these last couple of games, as a result of them moving the ball better, getting better shots, uh, you know, increasing their assist percentage, uh, I think you know they, they've obviously scored more. But you know, an effect of that has just been they're getting back in transition. And the Bucks only had thirteen fast break points tonight, uh, which is you know well below their season average, well below their playoff average. So I think. You know, it it's, sounds basic, but like, you know, better offense tends to lead to better defense. And I think you've really seen that with the Raptors the last couple of games where, uh, you know, when they're actually scoring, the Bucks can't get out in transition. If the Bucks can't get out in transition, they actually haven't been scoring that well in the half court in the series. So I think that's really, you know, potentially a, a bellwether moving forward in these last three games is, you know, how, how are the Raptors moving the ball? Uh, you know, how are they shooting? Because that will, you know, convert, you know, that will consequently and kind of change the way that the Bucks score. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, this for all the, you know, hand wringing about the challenges that the Bucks presented to the Raptors, I do think we kind of downplayed the the ways that the Raptors could make the Bucks life miserable. And one thing that they have is really smart defenders that are really good at shutting off plays in transition. Like I always joke that Danny Green's the best transition defender of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Siakam can run with Giannis where a lot of power forwards can't and cross matching is less of a problem for this Raptors team. Kawhi's Kawhi. Half court, you know, <laughs> yeah. And then in the half court for this Bucks team, it's like <clears throat> part of it is shot making, but that's kind of 
that I, I understand that people are going to say defending the Bucks, like, oh, you know, like you're not going to stay that cold and, you know, road games and, you know, the numbers bear out. But like most of these shots are not being generated like in a ton of rhythm, like Miritich two of eight from three. Um, Lopez hit a couple. He, he looked good. The bench has looked really cold and uh, not great for the Bucks the last couple games. Um, outside of George Hill, Eric Bledsoe has completely disappeared. Like awful. I don't know what's going uh, on. He's not like, that good. That's so that's bad. The problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, their point guards were, were four for 20 tonight between Bledsoe yeah. Hill and uh, Brogdon. That's, that's not going to cut. No, it. it's not. It's just, uh, you know, I, th- but I think we all knew this about the bucks uh, like that, you know, it's a top heavy team and it's the rare team built around one super duper star and then one, you know, all-star quality player and then a bunch of guys who are going to run hot and cold and right in this game they ran cold and as a result their half court offense has not looked good i mean i wonder if you're a bucks fan are you just like are you a little disappointed with nico miradich yeah he was he was ugly as a bulls fan i saw both the highs and the lows of nico he was very very polarizing among bulls twitter among bulls fans because when we saw last playoffs, he had the one really good series against the Pelicans when they were all firing on all cylinders at the, that entire team with Davis, with Rondo, with Drew and Nico, and they were on fire. But like today, just watching him today, like just the, the boneheaded uh, decisions, just awful three point attempts. And there was one play, it was I think it was the third or fourth quarter uh, that Bucks are trying to come back. Nico gets a steal, uh, and then he immediately throws it away to Fred Van Vliet, and Van Vliet gets a layup, uh, huge uh, momentum changer there. Just those kind of boneheaded decisions. Uh, and like, I thought that it was a good trade at the deadline. I thought like, I mean, Nick, it made sense. Like he's theoretically a three point shooter. He has been kind of inconsistent over his career, but like a guy who could, another guy who could space the floor for Giannis. They didn't really give up that much for him. So I thought it made sense, but, uh, he was really ugly tonight and just the Raptors can, they kind of go at his defense, kind of target him a bit. And it, it was, it was ugly. They're gonna have to figure, they, they're gonna figure that out. I saw people talking about maybe playing DJ Wilson, dusting him off. I know. He had some nice moments of the regular season, but like, I don't know if like, that's a real NBA. That's going to work now. (laughs) NBA Twitter wants to do that where it's like, they just don't understand that you can't just like take a guy who hasn't played and just say, Oh, like a super young guy, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) At some point you're stuck with the rotation you got for the most part. Do you think they should maybe start go back to starting Brogdon? I know he played bad today, but to start the year, I believe yeah. Brogdon yeah, was the was. starter before he had that injury. Like, do you think they'll make that move at some at going back home, or just I don't know, man, doesn't leave it, feel, it as is and assume they'll doesn't be better? I feel like they're close enough in this series not to have to make a big drastic change like that. Like, I, I don't, I maybe this is too simplistic, but I don't think schematically the Bucks are in that deep of a hole here. I just think they just need to play better. Yeah, and yeah. I know that's not I, I, an interesting I, 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 take, but like it's kind of no. You that, that's is. a good point because you know they could have easily won Game Three, and, and we'd be looking at a three-one series right now. Easy. Uh, uh, yeah. And then on top of that, as far as Brogdon, I, I think uh, I, I believe I forgot who reported it. It might have been ESPN uh, before the series that they were planning on on reinserting Brogdon into the starting lineup uh, at some point in the series that he wasn't going to start that, but maybe around Game Three or Four. So. Who knows? Maybe they they start him in Game Five, and, and that's kind of their adjustment. But uh, I, I do think the Bucks again could easily be up three ones, and and then we're having a different conversation right now. Uh, obviously, that doesn't really matter because it's a two two series. But 
I, I think maybe if they lose game five, then you see a more drastic uh, adjustment. But um, I think for now, I think they're fine. Yeah, uh, it it has been. Here's a wide angle question that might be too simplistic, but I'm interested to hear your answer because uh, the last both these games I've seen on Twitter quite a bit. I've I've seen the word ugly thrown a lot around a lot um, about this series. I don't think it's been the most beautiful thing on earth, but ugly feels like quite the stretch. Are you guys enjoying watching this series? Uh, I would say so. I mean, both teams have great play- players. Like the, I'd say, the Bucks haven't been playing their best. So I guess maybe like comparatively, like compared to what the Bucks were in the regular season, where they had, I think the first or second best offense, like they, they probably haven't been quite as good. Uh, and the Raptors have mucked it up a bit with their defense. But like, I, I mean, I, when I think ugly, I think of like games in like the eighties and nineties, like, and these teams, I mean, that's just, these teams I, are, I, I guess I think of games where like so physicality like, over, over uh shadow skill. And I don't think that's been the case at all. I think this has been a super fun series with two teams that are not insanely overly talented, but play really, really smart and play well together. Yeah. It, it's funny that this is a, this is a two, two series and you know, the, the warriors just finished sweeping the blazers, but that series was actually kind of closer than this series has been. Like we've already had a couple blowouts. Uh, the, the Bucks had, you know, a big lead in game one that kind of got whittled down uh, a bit towards the end. So like it has kind of only been one really close game. It's felt like in this series, uh, but I, I think it's been fun. Like the, neither team has shot the ball that well. I, I guess that would be like the one criticism of, of the series I, I would have is, um, you know, you know, for two teams that have a lot of shooters, uh, there haven't there hasn't been a lot of like three point barrages necessarily out, outside of that uh, one buck stretch in you know in Milwaukee, but uh, I don't know. Like I, I think it's been fun. Like you you have the two best players in the East going head to head. Two of probably the the best five players in the league. Uh, you, you probably have the most interesting player in the league period in, in Giannis. So like I don't know what else you you could ask for besides like LeBron James, right? Like that that's what else would you want in the Eastern Conference Finals? So uh, I, I think it's been fun. Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go try Harry's now. Just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. Yeah. Um, let's pivot out West though. Um, as we, you know, the Warriors have punched their ticket to the finals quick four game sweep. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm kind of interested in, 
the way you guys think because I've noticed there's like this pushback to criticizing the Blazers at all. It's like 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 low like Zach Lowe on his podcast like pre scolded anyone who might have anything negative to say about the Blazers. It's like hey, no one expected them to be here, so no, we should only talk about hey, good season, good season. They had a good season. Um, and I'm like whoa, easy, easy. and <laughs> uh, you know, I was just kind of thinking like. If you are the Blazers internally, after getting swept out, you 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 thought you were. I I just feel like they had to think they were closer than this, don't you? I mean, they did blow what three games where they were up seventeen. <laughs> I mean, that was like that's that's I I I do, I do tend to go more towards like the the Blazers were were outmanned even with the Warriors being hurt. I mean, they didn't have Nurkic. Lillard was playing injured as I well. I feel like so that'd like, be hard on my psyche and, if I'm Dame Lillard. Like, <laughs> like I with KD not playing the entire series and, and you yeah. get nothing, yeah. you can get a game. Oh yeah. I mean, blow, but especially when you blow those games, when you blow three games, like that, you blow, obviously it's the warriors and Draymond and Steph were absolutely incredible. And they're the championship medal and all that, but to blow all three of those games, like yeah, not taking one is, is pretty and, tough. And stomach, you know, I, I like. think the, the saddest part, if you're Dame and the blazers is like this, you know, uh, I still like you just said. I think they're under man, but like this was your kind of your best shot at making the finals, right? Like KD's out, uh, and you know you don't have Nurkic, but you made the conference finals. Like I, I would be shocked, honestly. You know, and we'll, we'll see how the, the offseason plays out and, and kind of what happens with the rest of the West. But I'd be shocked if Dame and the Blazers ever make the conference finals again. Like I, I felt like the the bracket broke right for them. Uh, you know, I. Like when the Jazz made it with, uh, yeah, with no, like definitely. Like I, I felt, I personally felt. I mean, I, I think we all can agree. Like Houston was the second best team in the West, but even after Houston, I, I felt Utah was the third best team in the West, and and I felt if Utah had been on that side of the bracket, they would have been the ones uh, getting in the conference finals. So like, I, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Lakers. The the Clippers are looming, potentially adding someone. Like the the Pelicans, who knows what's going to happen with them? Like, uh, I just don't. I don't really see another path for, for Portland getting back uh, to the conference finals. So for, for them, I mean, maybe expecting them to win was unrealistic, but for, for them to not even get a game like that to me is just very disheartening because you just lost, you know, this is what golden state's roster is probably going to look like next season. If Kevin Durant leaves or something similar, they're not really going to add any significant piece most likely. So for, for you not to even be able to get a game against that team, I just don't really see how you have any chance moving forward. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm being too like sports radio hot takey here, but like I just thought this was their best chance. If they had any chance at making the final somehow, this was it. And I'd be shocked if they come back. I think what, you know, someone like Zach Lowe was like trying to guard against was like this idea of like clowning them. Like there were jokes for not being able to take a game off. It's more like, damn, like this like it doesn't even feel like we're close. It, it's a bummer. bummer. Like it's like <laughs> you know. Is I think if you're anyone internally and any any Blazers fan, the way that series went has to leave a bad taste in your mouth. And like maybe maybe I'm wrong, but that would affect the way I viewed this otherwise kind of magical playoff run. And uh, you know, for the Warriors. <laughs> It's just a, it's just more evidence that everyone likes their job more when Kevin Durant's not there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it truly, truly is hilarious, honestly. And I feel like everyone, that's been a big thing on Twitter. It's like, oh, the Warriors are like fun to watch again. And I mean, it is kind of true. I mean, when 
they got stuff going and him and Dre are running pick and rolls and it's not just like Katie ISOs and it's, and it is just kind of more enjoy, enjoyable. I mean, I know you as a Cavs fan, you've had the whole had the whole rivalry with the Warriors, so you can hate them, and it's definitely you're fine. But as a, as like an outsider view, like I I, I admit, like I enjoyed. I'm a big Steph fan. Like I enjoyed watching them when they came up, and when they got KD, it was just kind of lame because it's just like, do they really need all this talent? So to see them play like this again and stuff playing like this again after struggling a bit, I I admit as just a Steph fan, like I feel like it's been really fun. Uh, I do, I, I do feel like they probably need KD back to win the finals, like to beat Media the Bucks. Such or a frustrating or do you think, or do you think word, they and that's the word that's been getting thrown around with this discussion a lot. That I, I, I kind of resent, um, because it, it, they need him if they want there to be no doubt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. But like that's not kind of how it's supposed to work. Like I feel like I feel like this whole experience yeah, has right. really thrown the curve for us on like what it means to be like like how teams are supposed to work like like team like oh you you know when they don't have kevin durant um you can switch on him more and and that makes it harder and i'm like yeah that's that's how it works <laughs> teams have weaknesses and strengths and then you 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 work to to mitigate their strengths and and accentuate their weaknesses and and the really good teams figure it out in spite of them not not get rid of any weaknesses whatsoever yeah <laughs> like that's that's normally how it goes but like our understanding has been so warped by them that that we with a straight face talk about need it's like no it's now that's that's a whole different conversation well yeah and to me the the way the final swing w- with KD or without KD or just, I think if they have KD, it's going to be a five game series probably against whoever they face, whether it's Milwaukee or Toronto, they don't have KD. It's probably going to be a six or seven game series. And then I would still pick the warriors in in six or seven. Like I think I'll swing a game or two, but like you're saying, like the, you know, the, the concept of them actually needing him is a bit ridiculous when, and you know, and and then that it's funny. It's just funny how the the narrative switched so much. Cause then like, there's almost been this like, oh, you know, Warriors underdog narrative. And I'm like, it just kind of bothers me. I'm like, all right. So, so you went from four top 20 players to three we top believe. 20 players. And you're, you're a real under, like, and even the de- like the depth stuff, I, I've personally felt they were always deeper than people have been painting them. And, um, you, you know, I, I just like th- this team is, it has an embarrassment of riches, a historical amount of riches. And, uh, they're going to probably win the title again. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's a, it's much of a surprise. You know, I think the big thing here that if we're looking at like actual interesting takeaways beyond just being annoyed by the narrative, which I can always get annoyed by the narrative. I can always give a good, good uh, set of pod discussion to that. But um, the one thing that I think has been really interesting is we talk about how the, how well the Warriors fit together in the KD era. You know, like that's the thing we talk about all the time. It's like, oh, not only is it a super team, everyone fits perfectly with one another and there's no diminishing returns. And I think if anything has been proven in the stretch without KD, it's that there are diminishing returns and that's with Draymond Green. Yeah, Draymond has just been just totally different and losing the weight. Like, I I wonder how much it was just the regular season of just like not giving a shit, but clearly he just re... Just rededicated himself, lost all the weight. Now, just like I mentioned, the stuff, the stuff, Dre pick and rolls. We're getting it so much, and just like we're, the defense, he's has been just incredible again. Just the all around game, we've we've been seeing from him. Uh, this without Durant and Steph as well, and just like 
really appreciate what Draymond has done more. And I know like he's a, he's kind of a polarizing player because of some of his, of his antics. But like, I feel like if you can't appreciate just Draymond's all around game. And I feel like that's a, that's also a big conversation. Like how good is Draymond really? And like, if you took like if you put Draymond like on his own team or another team, like would he actually be that good? I always see that conversation going on. It's like, yeah, Draymond's like absolutely incredible. And you could just the all around game and how the chemistry that he has with Steph is just absolutely incredible. And we've seen we saw that this series just is totally is it dominant not clear play. at this point that Draymond needs to be involved on offense, uh more involved on offense if he's going to look like a good offensive player. Like like you know, when we talk diminishing returns, like yeah, he'd been relegated to just being like mainly a spot up guy and like maybe some put pushes after defensive rebounds. Um, but like, like he's a guy who kind of needs to have the ball in his hands a little bit more. And like when we talk about the Warriors and oh, and how oh, no one needs the ball in their hands. Well, one of them does, um, and it's Draymond. And now it when it doesn't hurt them because what they add elsewhere in KD is so much more valuable than what Draymond adds offensively. You're okay with him getting 30, 40% worse uh, in terms of his actual production on offense. Cause KD makes you 50, 60% better. But I do think when we look at a post KD world for the warriors, like I think reports of Draymond's demise seem to be pretty exaggerated. Yeah. And I think the, the nice development that we we've also seen from Draymond has been him kind of owning up to uh, you know, the, the, those post game four comments about he, he was doing more crying than, than, you know, than, than playing. And uh, I think, crying. you know, and part of me wonders how much of that, you know, rubs off from KD because KD kind of has that uh, you know, a little bit of a, an ornery persona on the court uh, with, with foul calls and complaining and kind of getting down, uh, after non-calls and stuff. I mean, I just witnessed it for six games in, in the Clipper series, and I, well, I just... <laughs> well, I can confirm, Yovan, yeah, that uh, that Draymond was complaining no, no, before No, no, of Kevin course, Durango. of course. But, like, I, I, I part, of, you know, part of me wonders if it was even worse with, with, with KD. Uh, and, you know, Dr- Draymond's going to be Draymond, and he his head runs hot. Like, let's not downplay that. But I just think that... You know, he. It's sometimes you can see him losing focus, and and that's kind of the gift and curse of Draymond. But it, it has felt like since KD went out, there's been a greater sense of urgency, and he's kind of locked in more, uh, and not really let the little things get to him as much as they typically do. So I think you know, if it, it's probably impossible to get that Draymond for for 82 games plus 20 playoff games or whatever, but if you can get him more regularly, I, I think that makes the Warriors even more dangerous. Uh, really on both ends. Yeah, I, I do agree. And there definitely have been a few um, happy Gilmore-esque, here comes the butter throw, huh? and he restrained himself <laughs> moments uh, for for Draymond Green. Uh, but, you know, this team's going to the finals for the fifth straight year. Um, they'll probably win for the third straight year. Would be five in a row if not for uh, one particularly very, very good team. Uh, in 2016, uh, that that blew up the the five peat. But yeah, I mean, this is a team that uh, do do you, uh, we have to wrap soon? But do you guys anticipate either of these East teams uh, really having a chance to win in the finals against this uh, Warriors team? I guess one big issue, especially, is just like these two. I kind of expect Bucks Raptors to go seven now. So just like. I think the Raptors are just going to be gassed. I mean, even the Buc- the Bucks kind of they dominated the first two series, but 
playing a seven game series, physical seven game series against these teams, they're already outmanned talent wise. So t- the Warriors are going to have whatever, like 10 days off now. Like they'll probably have some rust in game one, but like they're going to probably get KD back. <laughs> I guess I'm curious to see what happens if Boogie comes back. Like I, they don't need, they at least need, I don't want to use the word need, but like, I feel like he would just throw everything off at this point coming back from that injury. Like, I don't even know what they, what they would really do with him. I know he wants to come back. I mean, he's this is his first playoff. So like, it's, 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 I think, I think the, I feel like the Bucks and Raptors, I, I don't want to underrate them. Like we talked about, they're really good teams. And like the Bucks dominated all year, 60 wins. The Raptors won 58 games, even with Kawhi's load management. So like, they're really damn good teams, but like, the Warriors get rest, resting up, getting healthy after these two teams play like a knock them out seven game series. Like, I'm conflicted on this be because really for them, I feel like like you just said, you know, the Bucks have been staring us in the face all season with one of the more dominant. Like historically, they've had like a top twenty five season up to this point, and really yeah. a lot of their statistical benchmarks indicate a championship team, and they're on a lot of you know short lists of like seven teams have done this and all seven of those teams want a title. So the, the Bucks have been there all along where it's like, are we just underrating them or are we not believing it because we haven't seen it yet? Like, is it just, you know, we want to see them go to the playoffs a, a few times and have a few deep runs before we kind of, I don't know, but I'm conflicted because I feel like the Raptors actually match up better uh, w- with the Warriors, like seeing, Seeing that, I don't know if you guys remember the game. They went into Oracle and they, they just whooped the 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 Warriors. Uh, I think they beat them by like twenty. And just seeing the matchups play out, like I, I felt, you know, they're they're just so good on, on the wings defensively and and just so versatile and and switching and all that stuff. Like I think Toronto actually matches up slightly better than the Bucks do, but I, I think the Bucks are the better team. So I, I would give both teams a, a puncher's chance, uh, especially if if Katie's out. Uh, but you know, if Katie's back, like you know, before Game Three, I, I just don't really see any way either team beats them. Yeah, it, it's going to be an uphill battle for either side. But uh, that is about all the time we have for this episode of Blue Wire Buckets. Please be sure to subscribe to the Clip City Podcast uh, to get a, more uh, time with Jovan, uh, to cash considerations, to listen to Jason, and of course the Chase Town podcast with myself and Justin Rowan. Thank you so much for listening, gang. Please be sure to like and subscribe to Blue Wire Buckets. Please help juice the, I was about to say cook the books. Uh, and, and I went with juice and I had no rhyme. You hate to see it, but what you don't hate to see is more Blue Wire Buckets. So please subscribe. Thank you for listening and have a lovely night.